Hello and welcome to the Happier at Work podcast with your host, Aoife O'Brien. The podcast for anyone who wants to be happier at work. We spend so much of our time at work. Everyone deserves to be happier at work. Today on the Happier at Work podcast, I'm speaking with Johnny Cooper all about teamwork. So Johnny and I are actually on a team together. We are both studying for a master's in organizational behavior at DCU. And we've been so we've been on a team together for the last, I guess, year and a half, nearly two years at this stage. In addition to all of his professional and academic credentials, he's actually won six All-Ireland medals with Dublin playing senior football with them eight Leinster medals and five National League medals as well. So um, as I mentioned, myself and Johnny will be talking all about teamwork. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome, Johnny, to the Happier at Work podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself to listeners? Hi, Aoife. How are you? I would. Um, thanks for having me on, first and foremost. So um, my name is Johnny. I'm in student recruitment uh, in DCU. My professional job that is and then for the last 11 years i've been involved in high performing teams uh, in a sporting context so from professional uh, context and a sporting context um i've been heavily involved i guess in in teams and in different ways and found many different i guess lessons within those two in particular aspects over the last number of years so delighted to get in and, and chat a bit more about them brilliant yeah I'm really looking forward to chatting to you a bit more about teams. We're actually in a team together in uh, doing a, a part-time master's in organizational behavior in DCU. So that's how we know each other. And really, really delighted to have you on to, sp- to speak all about teams and get your own perspective. So how, like, I suppose, like, let's start at the start. So how, how would you describe teams or teamwork? Yeah, it's a good question. I think from my own perspective, uh, we had a family business uh, way back when I was younger. So Teams has always been very much a part of my everyday life in terms of working with people, getting the best out of people, working towards goals and objectives. Um, And I guess it is that, isn't it? It's trying to align people together so that on an individual basis, people feel content and valued, but then that is then aligned to if you want to call it the organizational goal or the team goal itself. Um, tricky thing to do at times, allowing people's own personal, um, I guess, values and ego at times versus then where the organization is going or where the team itself is going. Um, yeah, so quite quite a challenging area depending on the, the I guess, um, obstacles in some ways, the challenges that are in your way, the personalities and the people that are in your teams. Um, and really my fascination is around that kind of that people behavior and how you can, I guess, get the best out of people in order to then maximize whatever the, I guess, objective happens to be. Yeah. And mine too. It's such, such an interesting topic. It's so interesting. And given that this is the leadership series, Johnny, any thoughts on the role that leadership plays when it comes to teamwork? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for me and my experience, particularly around, I guess, dynamic teams and uh, sports teams, that is, and high-performing teams, it will probably be about, initially anyway, creating that clarity of purpose. So really setting out, some people call it a, vis- a vision, maybe it's a mission, but really setting out a clarity of purpose. So why the leader this is, setting out why are we all in the room here today and really trying to uncover and make it very clear and pull a lot of clarity around that clarity of purpose. So from the outset, from the onset, that people are clear on that. And then it's kind of a mixture of lots of different things, isn't it, around soft skills, around making people feel cared and valued. Um, 
you know trying to manage people's egos on a different in a different way so leadership probably looks and should feel very different depending on the person depending on the the type of information that they're trying to get across um and i would feel like there's that kind of leader follower model um, and i feel that kind of leader leader model is something where i've seen teams excel and sustain sustain success when you do get to that leader leader as opposed to leader follower model which, which some places have and have to have um, but then when there is no hierarchy when you're able to develop that culture having no hierarchy I then have seen where it then become very creative and very kind of um, I guess off the cuff and give you some real some, some real value at different times around creativity and innovation um, and problem solving on their feet um, if, if that makes sense you know so yeah very interesting from a leadership perspective too. I'd love to um, just kind of uh, go into in a little bit more detail what you mentioned about leader leader versus leader follower and those type of teams I haven't heard that before so can you explain a little bit more detail about what you mean by that yeah it was actually a book by a former general of the US Army I think his name was Stanley McChrystal but the book the team name was team of teams um, and funny he's only after coming up recently on, on, on LinkedIn for me as well but he, he would have um, um, written a book around kind of creating and from an army or military perspective, creating, I guess, a full team of leaders as opposed to that follower um, element where they all follow the leader. And sometimes if they're not in, in a certain situation, you know, and they don't have the leader with them, what do they do? So trying to create that autonomy and that ownership from the outset of giving people responsibility. Um, and sometimes there's a lot of trust involved in that. Sometimes a little, I guess, from a leader's perspective, initially, if you have a new team or maybe you have a team underneath you, it's trying to give people that ownership and that power um, and trying to build a relationship with that person on a on a um, personal basis to, I guess, allow them to understand, I will give you the space to create what you want within the scaffold and the vision and the clarity of purpose that we have. I love you then to be creative around these parameters and really put your own stamp and personality around it. So I guess that's where it initially came from in terms of the thought or the name, leader, leader. Um, but yeah, very interesting, very fascinating take in terms of military perspective and context and where and how they would manage their own teams and in some cases, life and death situations. Yeah, that's, I mean, fascinating. So a leader follower would be kind of the, the typical leadership style that you would see in organizations or um, that kind of thing, whereas this leader leader is more about the leader instilling leadership qualities in the people who are within the team. Yeah, yeah, and like uh, it's probably whether you want to put a word like empowering others or empowerment around. And I know you do a lot of kind of coaching as well, and maybe it's elements of coaching um, or helping people to understand and figure out or mirror their own thoughts and their own skill sets. So, yeah. yes, at times you'll have to say, Here's what I like you to do, and here's the time frame I'd like you to do. So, very, very prescriptive or specific. And then in other times, um, you know, that that phrase comes to mind fast doesn't last and particularly in a sporting context you might get a bang for your book I might win a couple of games but certainly trying to sustain that over a period of time might be a little bit more challenging and that's where I would see the empowerment element coming really to the fore of giving people that I guess as we said already um, autonomy to really make decisions really come to the fore and display their best selves whenever the situation needs it yeah 
no, it's a really, really interesting approach. I like that. And some of the things that I made note of there was the autonomy, the ownership, the responsibility and trust that you're placing in other people. And I think when you trust other people and when you give them that great sense of autonomy that within these parameters, like you say, so you have to give them some, some sort of a direction. But within these parameters, you know, you're free to do things however it is that you would like to do them. But these are the results that we're trying to go to because we've clarified what vision it is that we're trying to um, get to ultimately. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that's, and obviously it takes a lot of maybe in some cases design or in some cases very specific actions or programs or work to allow people to, I get, I guess, get to that stage. And um, particularly if you have a team or a new team, maybe earlier on might be a little bit more at times anyway, hand-holding, um, this is kind of the areas we'd love you to have a look at, get a bit more knowledge on, a bit more experience in, but certainly as a team becomes a little bit more gelled and cohesive, I guess you build up, don't you, that trust that you can then give Aoife or Johnny, you know, a couple of days at a particular project and knowing that they then come back with a really high level of detail and um, excellence towards it. But mm. I think, and again, looking at it from both perspectives, from the leader's perspective, you're getting... I guess somebody to bring their best self and they feel really empowered and then from the I guess the the team members perspective they're they feel really valued of uh, this person my leader my boss my manager has given me the space and I feel really valued and hence I, I might then potentially give a little bit more to this particular project or um, program of work that I'm involved with. That's it that's it and um, one of the things you said Johnny and quite interesting is this whole thing about managing egos so like that's I mean it's I suppose it's you're going to face that with any sort of teams. Um, so I suppose, first of all, I'd love to know any thoughts on how, wh what are the kind of pitfalls when it comes to teams? So like you bring a, a group of people working together, whether that's two, three, four, five or more people. Um, what are the kind of the, the key things to watch out for? Yeah, it's something a quote actually jumps to mind before I answer the question, and it was, a couple of years ago, a lady that was doing a coaching session, a, a strength and conditioning session with, with actually, she said, if you're willing to accept none of the credit, your team or organization will do very well. And I thought, just thought that was a nice way of putting, you know, the, the, trying to juggle the me versus the we. And if you're able to remove yourself in some ways, and at times it might, some people might think you're suppressing yourself or some of your abilities, but I would feel it's just allowing the team to succeed and taking you out of the equation if and when that's needed. So in terms of pitfalls around you, you can certainly from a sporting perspective and I play Gaelic football and it's only in some cases in pockets of Ireland, but in other cases, it's a very popular sport and you're in the the, the public eye in, in some ways. Um, so ego can bring, you know, whether it's claps on the back or whether it's, um, I guess, accolades or whether it's awards or whether it's, um, you know, even now around these times, people... Um, on social media and things so ego you, you'll see it in a sporting context anyway you'll see it or i'll see it you'll see it very quickly are people showing up on time are they preparing are they really tuned in are they listening are they um engaged with a particular project so it might look or feel different in in, in some particular content in specific context be it organization or teams but i think in general what you're looking for and if you're really tuned into this or or you have some skills around it. you can really see whether people are present um or if they're maybe they're somewhere else or maybe you're having a conversation with them and you can see kind of their eyes glazed over so very initially maybe that's um <laughs> that that's some of the um the pitfalls if you like or some of the, the warning signs that maybe this person is slightly 
is somewhere else and maybe I mean, it's not always going to be the ego obviously but maybe in a sporting context for example it could be ego or it could be claps in the back or accolades or awards or something monetary or something that's not necessarily what the team objective or the clarity of purpose is yeah no it's I suppose from my own perspective I just I would like for everyone to always just get along but that's not always the case and there's personality clashes and there's um, you know disagreements and and being able to manage all of that is really really important as an individual contributor as well as being as well as being a leader and being able to manage and facilitate that conflict I suppose mm. yeah and it probably comes back to kind of I'm very lucky to have worked under um, in my opinion a really strong leader um, in a num- over the last number of years a guy called Jim Gavin who would have Strong, I guess, familiarity and experience in kind of a military and an aviation background. Um, and with that in mind, he would have, you know, given off lots of different, I guess, anecdotes and stories and experience lending lending towards kind of the self-discipline and the power of that discipline has and the power of choices. Um, and ultimately, what we do every day is a choice and has a consequence as a result. So, for example... Um, not to lean on sport too heavily, but for example, if you want to play Gaelic football at a high level, there is certain trade-offs and there's things you have to sacrifice, but that is a choice ultimately. Sometimes you get rewarded for it, sometimes you don't, but um, I think that, that that discipline, I guess, will come into my, would jump into my mind straight away. Do you have that kind of self-discipline to really, you know, when the lights are off or when there's no spotlight on you, do you have the self-discipline to make those choices time after time after time? And essentially what you're saying is I'm going to make this choice so that at some stage down the line, somebody else will succeed or somebody else will get credit for. And again, it comes back to if you're willing to accept none of the credits, your organization will do very well. And obviously there's that balance of you don't want to suppress yourself too much. You want to get, you know, a bit of spotlight. You want to be out there and put your own self forward. But at the same time, if you're in a team environment, you know, what what is the objective and what is the clarity of purpose? And that, if it is, um, is for the team to have and reach a goal that's set out. Yeah, no, I absolutely 100% agree with with everything you've said there. Um, I, I saw Jim Gavin speak um, at a, an event last year and he was just phenomenal. He was brilliant. He's so well-spoken. He's so articulate. Really, really enjoyed hearing him speak. But I loved what you had to say as well about discipline and choice. We, we all have a choice when we wake up every day, you know, and it's when people say people kind of have a tendency to blame external circumstances for for the situations that they find themselves in but it's it's how you respond to those and don't just react quickly it's about thinking about well how do i respond in this scenario um the other thing that you mentioned johnny was about trade-off and sacrifice and that's really interesting as well because it's something i had forgotten about recently until i went to um again a really great talk for International Women's Day uh, a, f- a few weeks ago now at this stage. And um, one of the ladies who who was talking, she went on to become a pilot, but this was something that she'd always wanted to do. And she spoke about just the trials and tribulations that she went through on her journey to be able to get there. Now, she didn't, she didn't get there till she was in her 30s, but she was trying and she was trying and she was trying and she did all of these different things. And she she basically said that she sacrificed her entire 20s. She didn't have relationships. She, you know, she didn't go out with her friends all the time. She was just so focused on this end goal. And I suppose from my own perspective, it's something I had forgotten about. But I you always in life have 
trade-offs and sacrifices what it is that you want to go for whether what you want to achieve whether that's in a team or whether that's on an individual basis so like if you're trying to lose weight for example it's the choices that you make every day and the sacrifice like I, I have to sacrifice my Friday night pizza for example or if you're if you're setting up a business it's you're sacrificing the holidays that you take and I, these are two things that I can relate to personally and um, having done them in the last couple of years but you know it, you you're always making sacrifices and and it it's really important, I think, to, to bring it back to you have a choice. And if you really want something that badly, then you're going to have to make trade-offs. Mm. I, th- I think so. And it's such a powerful thing when, and I'm not saying everyone is easy to do, but when you find out your why or when you find out your real sense of what is your North Star um, for that lady that you mentioned, um, you know, was wanting to be a pilot. Maybe in my experience, it, it's um, wanted to win something in a sports context and, when you have that real clear vision of, of um, where you want to go and maybe then to plan out how you're going to get there, then maybe in some cases the choices become not easier, but, but certainly you can understand why you're making them. Or even if it's in a sporting um, example, you know, your friends can understand that, listen, you won't be at the party or the, the, the event on Friday and you probably won't be at the next Friday one or probably not the next Friday one, but I guess maybe they will understand as much as you will understand. So there's obviously a balance in it all as well. I mean, you know, does DS having goals and want to reach objectives, but then does, you know, putting too much into it and suffering in other elements of your life. So going too much after the, the professional opportunity that you so long wanted for, but, you know, it, it's at the direct trade-off of not seeing your friends for months and months and months. So there has to be, I guess an element of having balance and ensuring you're getting stimulated in different ways. Yeah. But I do, I, I do agree. It, it's so important that you're willing to accept that there will be trade-offs in order to get to where you want to get to. But when you get there, the sunshine and the light and the opportunity and everything you've ever wanted will be there and more. But I guess it's that sacrifice, isn't it, or that discipline to make mm. the choice to get potentially that opportunity at the end of the road. Um, yeah. Yeah, you use the word balance there a couple of times, and I've actually re uh, reframed how I look at that, and I use the word harmony now. So it's about harmonizing the different elements of your life rather than like to me, balancing is you're trying to kind of find a balancing act, whereas harmony, I think, is you're trying to ensure that the different elements of your life interact more harmoniously with each other. Um, so I really liked that approach, whereas balance to me, it's like you do loads of one thing one week and do loads of something else another week, but harmony i think it, it just for me brings a, a greater sense of flow or something like that yeah yeah when you put it like that it does make so much sense like elements as you're saying of your life have to speak to each other and have to complement each other and have to i guess help each other along um and just briefly to my experience i would have went from a you know a poor enough leaving search um, as a direct result of playing lots and lots and too much sport now looking back <laughs> into I guess now at the moment, as you mentioned already, doing a master's with yourself or part-time master's, having a, a decent chunk of work to do in my own professional job and trying to be successful in, in high-performing sports, looking after my own personal life and people at home and everything else. So I think to your point, you probably understand yourself a lot more, particularly as you get older and understand what's important and maybe what's not as important. And you get a obviously a, a better, um, I guess, opportunity in that case. But particularly I work with or lots of my professional workers around 16, 17, 18, social media and 
pressures and um, anxieties in lots of ways that people just don't fully understand what's important. And I guess more to the point, probably don't understand that they are good enough, what they have is good enough, but always mm. they're looking beyond and this famous person or this person over here yeah. looks this way or acts this way and maybe I should do the same. And that's probably what I learned as well. My own self is to, you know, now be comfortable in who you are, your personality. Yes, keep trying, keep asking, keep pushing yourself to be better, but ultimately trying to just be yourself because that's absolutely good enough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um. Anyway, bringing it back kind of more focusing on teams so we kind of we touched on and what doesn't work in teams but it'd be great to talk about like really great team or what makes a, a dream team you know what kind of like do you need to have people with different personalities different skills different you know what what would you be your thoughts on what makes a really great team yeah so if we bring it back to maybe we have now the clarity of purpose we understand where we want to go Broadly speaking, we have a plan in place if there's a timeline to get there in Q2 or Q3 of 2020. This is what we'd love to do. So maybe work our way backwards and we figure out a timeline of certain um, objectives and key results that we want to hit along the way. So if they're kind of the the longer term elements of it, then underpinning that is going to be, as you said, there the people um, and trying then to match people's strengths and people's uh, I guess maybe experience to certain elements. So for example, someone might be a little bit better at social elements than bringing the group together um, in certain ways. Somebody might be very technical, some might be very skilled and love the structure or the planning elements. So they'd be very good at the project management uh, strands to whatever the objective or the business was. So I think trying to get the relationships right within the team and trying to put people and not box them in by any means, but certainly trying to match people to their skills or where they feel strong, strongest or most passionate about. Yes, of course, people will have to do certain elements that they, you know, maybe not suited to sometimes, but trying to put people to the fore or trying to maybe champion certain areas with particular people, I would feel is important. Then within that, you're trying to then create a culture that is self-sufficient, that is very much collaborative or co-creative around um yes getting to the objective but we know that to get to the objective you know we have this freedom to be ourselves and to express and um, innovate um i guess and it probably comes back to again that leader creating that environment for people to um be empowered or feel empowered so um on the ground it probably again not to dodge the end of the question but probably looks and feels very different on the ground um depending on the context of the circumstance but I think again, back to what we said earlier on, it, that's the where the real magic can happen when we really click together and understand each other and understand what people are good at, and then we're able to remove the ego and do a bit of self-sacrifice for others to be better and to get better. Because ultimately, I think the more you give, um, the more you'll ultimately get back from whatever you're involved in. That's a really nice way to look at it and to to think about it is. The more you give, the more you get back. And I think a lot of people are really motivated by that in, in terms of who they serve and how they serve people and how they can be of service to others and what they can give. Um, so I think that's a really, really nice way to think about it. In terms of like people working together, I liked what you said about matching people's strengths and some people will be a bit more technical. It's really about getting the relationships right. Um, I mean, I... I'm, I'm thinking about teams that I've been in in the past and 
one of the things I think that was really missing was understanding each other's strengths or taking time out to really get to know what each other were really good at. So if you need help on something specific, then you know you can go to Johnny or you go to Aoife. You know, really understanding well what are the what are the strengths that pe- that each person brings because it's very easy to kind of look at someone and have a blame game and say, well, they don't work like me and they should be working like me. Um, when in fact they actually bring a whole different set of perspectives to the team dynamic. Yeah, I, I think it's it's being open minded to that, isn't it? It's being probably self aware first and foremost that mm-hmm. okay, maybe I'm good at at A and B, but Johnny over there you know, I've really noticed he's really good at, at C and D. And maybe can we mash together this one idea to get the best idea? Um, and you certainly see, you absolutely see it in, in high-performing teams because it's critical that people work together because most of the time you have one opportunity or one Sunday in September to get what you're looking to get from from the year itself. So it's it's paramount that people... sense, but, but also... And each other's, um, you know, backgrounds, personalities, what they like, what they don't like, how they like to be uh, spoken to, etc. Um, uh, the feedback that you give them is obviously very important. The feedback that that they give to you, but I think the openness is is probably maybe the 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 ground point on it. Being open enough to accept yourself and maybe any feedback that you're getting, but also being open enough then to go and meet someone else halfway, or maybe it's meet someone else eighty percent of the way, and you have to sacrifice then. Um, whatever bit of I guess maybe it's ego or thoughts that you had in order to get the best answer as opposed to your answer out of the equation that you're in that's it I mean we spend so much time in our own heads that we ha- we all have our own perspectives we all think that we're right I think it's kind of a, a bias that, that we're kind of have inbuilt because we view the entire world through our own filters that we've built up over years and that we've been alive so that's how we view everything. And it's about understanding that everyone has their own perspectives and their own views. So they're coming at it equally from a, you know, their own filters or whatever. And you need to be able to understand those multiple perspectives that, that different people have. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think getting, in my experience, and getting outside your comfort zone, like you mentioned already, we're doing a master's together and Certain, whether it's sports or whether it's professional, whether it's just per, your personal life, trying to, I guess, not continuously, but certainly seek out other people's opinions or what would you do there or what do you think about? And I guess the more you go on and, and you get experience with, with different elements as you move through your life, maybe the more that becomes very valuable in the sense of, you know, you, you've been in your own head for so many years and this is the way you think, but it's not necessarily the, the right way to think and mm. probably being open minded to, okay you don't have to agree with it but but accepting or certainly hearing what other people's views are on something in order to then challenge yourself and really see if it's it's uh if it's anchored um whatever the the subject happens to be maybe it's around leadership or teams or something um and just getting someone else's perspective like i have been lucky enough to be down in australia in january being in some professional sports teams over there likewise here in, in ireland and across in the uk and nothing 80% 80% of what you might think, and this is in sporting context, you know, what you think is the same, but there's certainly 20% in all of those cases that looks and feels slightly different. And then you're trying to then mar- uh, mirror or map that onto your situation. And again, just progress your own thinking, you know, one or two or three or 4% 
onwards because ultimately, you know, where is the ceiling in terms of improvement, in terms of knowledge, in terms of experience, um, seeking and having curiosity to things. You don't always have to go in and do a course about something, but seeking curiosity, sorry, being curious in situations, I think I have found probably has been very useful and important. In some cases too, relied heavily too much in my experience on, like being too curious doing too many self-help courses or self-help books, but there's certainly lots of value absolutely in, mm. in, in, in them all. And once you're able to, I guess, filter out lots of it or some of it and take down what's important to you in order to make, as I said already, your opinion a little bit more informed or a little bit stronger and um, a little bit more research driven or whatever the case happens to be. Brilliant. Lots to kind of pick up on there, Johnny. Like, so this 20% that you mentioned, can you share anything specific around that? So like if there's something that's maybe 20% of it is not, the, is different, but you could potentially take those learnings and apply it to your own situation. Is there anything specific you can share on that? Um, there's probably one or two examples that jumped to mind from a rugby example that I was looking enough um, last year over in a club called Saracens in the UK, which is in yeah. London, and they would have, would be, um, they'd had their own um, uh, challenges recently, but w- would be very, very successful over the last number of years, would have a very strong clarity of purpose, would have lots of, I guess, component parts on the ground, players and staff and support within their environment in order to drive towards that clarity of purpose. But one of the things that struck me when I was over there on my two-day visit was around their leadership team um, and how much it's player-driven, how much the standards, how much the culture, how much of the language and behaviours very much, yes, they're understood absolutely by the management and the leadership, if you like, but are owned and championed by, by a number of players in particular. So... What I'm seeing there is, okay, 80% looks the same as what I'm involved in here in Ireland, but then you're seeing a bit of a 20% difference. Okay, the players have a massive amount of ownership and responsibility because ultimately they, in a sporting context, they cross the white line and they take to the field and they're responsible for performance. So um, that's just one example that jumps to mind around the players owning and really driving I guess, the culture on the ground um, um, in some ways self-policed, in some ways, um, you know, player-driven, driven if you want to call it that, but really owning it and really understanding that, okay, the, the manager and the coach and sport are all here, but we're in the centre of the circle and we're the ones that are going to, I guess, drive change or or get what we deserve ultimately, you know? Brilliant. No, that's, I mean, that's a really solid example, but I mean, I'm thinking of that then, and maybe this is just how my brain works, but I'm like, how can we apply that to business? You know, so is that taking taking a team, for example, or taking an individual and looking at how teams work or how individuals work in a different industry completely? So whether that's, you know, hiring people from different industries or whether it's actively seconding people to different roles or just simply spending time with networking with people in different industries so you're not direct competitors but actually you could have a lot to learn about how things are done in that particular organization yeah i think so and it's probably a little bit around diversity um of people diversity of backgrounds and making sure that we're not having too many like-minded people or too many technical people or too many um sports people or whatever the case is that we're really getting a good mix and a good balance that we're having we're able to have those creative thinkers in our room but also then we're able to maybe ask other people and what i've found over the last number of years probably two or three years in particular that 
in most cases when you reach out be it to an organization or a leader or a sports team outside of my particular area most of them will come back and be very very open to sharing and knowledge and collaborating because it will drive i guess a slight little stimulant or stimulation of the thought process is this really the way that this element can be done or is done better um, and i'd see lots of crossover been lucky enough to be again it's not all sports. I've kind of done my research and homework on being into organizations and spoken, to, as I said, leaders in different ways. And there's lots of crossovers between sports and business. And particularly last number of years, you're seeing, I guess, lots of models and lots of styles um, being transferred across both both from sports to business and business to sports. But um, I think from a sporting point of view, there's certainly lots, lots of learning that businesses can take, be it for example, just go again to that leadership model. Um, I, I know lots of organizations do have senior management and leadership teams, et cetera, um, but can or should they look or feel a little bit different based off the success um, that, that sports teams have had with it, particularly down in Australia, particularly down in, in New Zealand. Um, lots and lots of research done around, coming back to our earlier conversation around empowering people and having leadership groups driving that culture day to day. So um, now no doubt organizations do do it lots and do do lots of good in the area. But maybe um, that is one example could be um, used a little bit more and a little bit more, I guess, consistently to drive change and drive results in the right direction. Yeah, no, that's a brilliant approach. I loved as well, Johnny, what you said about diversity. Um, so it's you used a particular term. You said that it's not like minded. Now, oftentimes we'll go out and seek like minded people, people who think like us, people who look like us. And without even thinking about it, you're kind of bias towards picking people who have the same opinions as you and you surround yourself with people who have a similar background to yourself and all of these kind of things is what we do um but the reason i pick up that particularly was because you use the word not like-minded it's about the diversity of thought and i totally totally agree with that but oftentimes it's like why do you like that person or why do you you know and i see it all the time on social media i'm looking for like-minded people but actually, what we really need to look for is, and I don't know what the opposite, <laughs> unlike-minded people, maybe. Um, but it's what we really need are people to challenge the opinions that we have. And it goes back to, to what you were saying earlier about self-awareness. Like, to me, self-awareness is critical for people to just exist in the world. But but especially so if you're becoming a leader or if you're operating within a team is understanding yourself and your own strengths and limitations your own development areas um but yeah and and this whole idea of saracens being player driven as well like i think there's a lot that we can take from that to me in a, in a business context it's about putting the power back in the people so again tying in with what you were saying about empowerment and using coaching and and really giving this sense of autonomy, responsibility and ownership to the people who are doing the job on a day to day basis. And for that to be very much employee driven rather than, you know, what you were saying about like the leadership, you've got this kind of the group of leaders sitting together, making decisions and things like that, whereas they're not active. They're not necessarily actively involved in the day to day goings on of, of um, you know, dealing with the clients on a day to day basis and, and things like that. Yeah, I, I think like if we look at, I guess, how committed a leader is to actually following through on a model like that. So maybe it, uh, it might be good to have 
you know, we have an away day every year and they sit down to say, okay, Johnny, you're going to, for the next couple of months, be champion of our, our social engagement that we have as a team after work on a Friday or whatever it happens to be. And, and sometimes, and you see it, and I've seen it anyway, maybe you don't see it across the board in terms of other people's experience, but you see sometimes a bit of a tick-the-box exercise. We have Johnny in a position, you know, this is what we're doing it, we're, we're giving him loads of responsibility, but are we really actually tapping into... Johnny's good at the social, but he's also very good at something else. So are we continuously trying to touch in with somebody, be it an employee or a team member, to go, I know you were there two months ago and that's what you really want to do, but how are you feeling now or how have you developed or have you seen anything else you could add to? Because Johnny could have one critical thought, but he just hasn't been asked or he hasn't had the platform or he hasn't um, had the confidence maybe in some cases to, to feel like I should have just said that at the time around a slightly different project um, that I wasn't necessarily the leader or the champion on. So uh, I guess it's it's trying to, from a leadership point of view or a leader's point of view, do it but follow through on it and constantly keep going back to it because if you look at it or, or as I would from an athlete point of view or somebody that's on the ground being listened to but being asked continuously or, or certainly more regularly, more often than not, you know, how are you feeling now? What more could I do for you? Could I ask you something different? Could I give you a different challenge? Um, and after just say social after two months, John, would like to do something else? Or would you feel strongly about something else? Because there's another employee over here that also feels strongly about social elements of our team. So that's obviously just one example. But um, yeah, I think continuously checking in with people is important to make sure that again, we're matching people to where they feel strongest about um, or feel strongest on or where they have their most skills. Um, and again, it's probably coming back to that diversity, isn't it? Making sure we have all, all the thoughts that would matter to make the equation or the answer of the equation the best or the, the truest it could possibly be. I mean, what you're saying there, Johnny, it's really about consistency. So it's not just, like you say, a tick box exercise. It's it's doing something, but committing to do it on an ongoing basis or not just trying it for a quarter and oh well that didn't really work very well so let's it's about doing it continuously and measuring the results that you're getting from it and tweaking it where it needs to be tweaked and all of that sort of stuff yeah no i think so i, I think you know your your atmosphere is what you breathe in every day it's it's you know it's behaviors that you see um you know be it if you're in a work from a nine to five or whatever the time is or if you're in a sports team couple hours you're training they're obviously important but what are you doing outside and i'm not saying people should be continuously on emails or thinking about sports or anything like that but will this make my team better will this choice of taking the holiday at this critical time of the year and being selfish to get a bit of a break for myself will this help the team um and try maybe and and it comes back to a bit of self-sacrifice or a bit of understanding yourself and your ego and the clarity of purpose that we spoke about earlier on uh, but maybe having a, a more consistent, as you said, awareness of that. Um, mm. You know, how can I fit into the team goals all the time? Not just, you know, as I said, it, it's it's nearly the air that you breathe, you know, and you have to kind of live it every day. You have to kind of show it every day. If you're a leader, you have to display it. If you're a leader, you have to obviously give more of yourself in lots of times. Um, you have to be seen or certainly you have to be, yeah, the person has to feel actively listened to. Um there's so many, I guess, subtle or softer skills that come into that to make sure that, again, it's aligned and continuously propelled um, towards the goal or the vision or whatever the objective happens to be. Absolutely. And something that you said earlier, um, well, just a second ago there as well, Johnny, was about 
it's kind of giving people a chance to try new things, to figure out what it is that they are good at. Because if you've never tried something before, then you don't necessarily know whether you're good at it or not. And I know certainly since I started my own business, I'm trying all sorts of new things. And it's really increased my level of self-awareness for things that I'm good at, but things that I'm really not good at or things that I totally avoid doing or procrastinate on. But it's given me a new sense of self-awareness around things that I never would have had the opportunity to try if I worked for someone else. In the, I suppose in the in the roles that I had, there was no opportunity to do what it is that I'm doing now. So a couple of more things that you said as well about curiosity. I think curiosity is really important. And that ties back in with this being open open-minded as well about mm-hmm. things. And, and I suppose currently uh, constantly seeking information and learning and getting to know again time back with this self-awareness i loved what you said as well about where is the ceiling like it's it's not something i ever really thought about like i i often think about maximum performance and how do you perform at your maximum all the time and then it sort of occurred to me i can't it was probably through a conversation or something that you can't perform at your maximum all the time it's about you know and then um stephen Norton. a, a last month or a couple of months ago explained it as a series of sprints rather than being a marathon and you're running you know you're operating at maximum for a a really long time but it's how how to go about getting the best from your people when it's not about the maximum it's about i suppose the consistency yeah no i was going to actually say and you just took the words out of my mouth trying to get the consistency and performance you don't always have to be sprinting as you put it there when you figure out all the component parts and exactly you're able to calibrate all those parts to exactly the level they need Mm. i would have found and again this is largely in my sporting experience but i would have found that being able to sustain success is is a little bit more is a little bit clearer certainly not easier because there's always challenges to it um, but it's certainly a little bit clearer if i get a b c and d right and get them continuously right okay e is a very challenging element but if i get that right get the first four right Okay, I'll, I'll give E a really good go. Um, there was a really good article called The Rocky Road Success, and it basically speaks about you know any company, take any high-performing company um, or sports team, and what they all do is have those success and succession planning elements in place. So if they are winning, and say, for example, the team that, that I've been on the last number of years have been relatively su- successful in, in terms of our own area, you know, what are you doing at the time in order to make sure that in three years time it's the same and in five years time it's the same as opposed to just relying on okay 2020 is 2020 and we'll give mm. this a good a good go in whatever the area happens to be um but are you continuously making sure that you're getting more people in are you continuously making sure you're getting um diverse speakers in are diverse thoughts into your group or are you continuously seeking out what are competitors doing or visiting having cultural exchange programs or having um, um, calls online, et cetera, to make sure that you're continuously being challenged because there's probably that bit of, um, there's probably that bit of, if you have success, maybe it can make you a little bit more blunt in some yeah, cases. Or but make a little you, bit more complacent, I think. You're just kind of resting on your laurels if you've had a degree of success and you think, oh, well, we're going to continue this. But I think, uh, you know, tying in with what you were saying there as well, Johnny, about the consistency and it's if you if you maintain a level of let's let's call it maximum performance over a sustained period of time you're going to burn out mm-hmm. so it's you know you have to have that the kind of 
I suppose the, the periods of um, whether it's rest or whether it's, um, you know, the, the sprinting rather than the marathoning, uh, um, as Stephen described it. But any any thoughts around how to get the the best, I suppose, out of a team working together, given that, you know, it's it's I suppose I'm trying to get to my own understanding of the maximum potential versus the, the sustainability of it ongoing. Yeah, it's probably trying to understand as best as possible the environment or the landscape. And for example, you can you can take the current situation here in Ireland around the coronavirus, and that's completely disrupted everything that everybody is doing. So certain elements you obviously can't plan for. But if you know or have a, a good sense or an idea of where you want to go, how long that will take, then you can put in a certain level of planning towards I, I guess getting towards that um, and then from there as you saw quite earlier on you can start to match people and understand you're not always going to have Johnny at the top leading this thing because it's a it's a it's an eight or nine month season you're going to put Johnny into number three and you're going to push the 22 year old into number one for a certain period of time to give them experience so it's probably understanding the why there so where you want to go how long it's going to take and certain key pillars that that, that are going to need to be achieved along that road mm. and then within that trying to then as we spoke about a couple of times, trying to match people to their strengths in order to maximize and get what we want out of it. And then there's obviously lots of um, things that we can't predict. So being agile and having that mindset of, okay, this is the way we planned it Monday to Friday. Something I wanted to pick up on was your use of the term dynamic teams. And it's about putting people into those different positions. Whereas traditionally, I think people have roles and they fulfill that role and there's not really an opportunity to mix it up and to to try out different things. But I think the future of work is going to be very much around bringing certain people together who work well in the team to fulfill a particular project or something like that. And you mentioned about agile as well, which is an area that I'm becoming more and more interested in. Yeah, and it's kind of along as a piece of string. Like if we have an agile team, we have a dynamic team, we have a team that's very responsive, we have a team that's very much a leader leader model we have a team that understands clarity of purpose we have a self-aware team we have a team that's open and honest to co-creating and co and collaborating in different areas and it's i guess okay you don't want to put them all into the mix all at the same time because it'd be too much for people to process and to get but certainly if you're experienced enough if you know your landscape enough if you know your team and your people enough you can start to drift feed different elements into your team um, always won't be right of course always won't give you the return that maybe you're expecting or might for example take a longer period of time particularly if you're trying to drive a culture or behavioral element that might take a little bit more time to get but I would feel that if and when you do achieve that point or do achieve um, um, a certain cultural element then it becomes self-sufficient and people start to I guess drive each other's behavior so it doesn't mm. have to be the leader saying it at a meeting or on a PowerPoint or on a on a on a wall in terms of a um a diagram that's put up. It's now actually as I spoke about already, it, it's it's what you breed in every day. This is what we do. This is how we act. This is the standards we uphold ourselves to. Um this is our curiosity. This is how we display it. And yes, on, on the organization on this on the team side of it, they can obviously provide training and provide opportunities and provide space in order for people to actually feel like okay on a Friday afternoon they're giving me three hours to do anything that I want that may add to this team in some way that's not necessarily within my program or work so and again I think if you're an employee or a team member in that case you then feel a lot more 
I guess, valued or a lot more, they're actually really trying to tap into my creative spirit here. And are you more likely to maybe not work harder, but work um, smarter maybe towards my actual job that I was initially employed for, employed mm. for, for. So um, yeah, it, it's very interesting and trying to figure out the combinations of um, where to put all the different elements but there's no there's no shortage of choice I guess yeah well that's it and like a couple of things struck me as you were speaking there Johnny one of them being that as a leader maybe you can take a step back and look at the bigger picture of how things like you're saying um maybe this didn't work out according to plan but actually you can you can take that time to reflect and say well what worked and what didn't work and what what do we need to change or do we need to change anything and the other thing that occurred to me, and it occurred to me earlier on as well, is that a really good leader, you could take them away from the team and the team still operates in the way that it should. And you were kind of hinted at that when you were talking about, you know, the leader is not really required anymore because the behavior is so ingrained within the, the team itself that they don't need the leader to kind of instill that anymore. Yeah, and I think that's that that's a really good example that if you were to take the leader out of any team, for a couple of weeks would the team then be able to sustain and act and be as they were when that leader was there and, and obviously there's lots of cases where where that, that that wouldn't be the case or maybe it can't be the case but certainly from some of my experiences um when you're able to in a sporting context really drive and get everybody to contribute um whatever it is their strength is towards the team goal that's when you really get that ability to I guess it's come back to that scaffold. You have the scaffold, you know what you want to do, you have the framework, but within it, you know, draw whatever picture you want, come up with whatever answer that you want. Um, and it probably then lends itself towards the cohesive element. And I've found that when teams become more cohesive, there's a greater sense of trust and the trust then allows you to be a little bit more open or honest at times. And obviously there's lots of honesty that's needed maybe you know, you're a little bit off in terms of the project or in terms of the the, the sport that you play and being able to have a really honest or frank conversation with someone or somebody be able to approach you and for you to accept it in that way is obviously very important to improvement. So I think they all, don't they, feed into one, you know, having, you know, the cultural elements, but then becoming more cohesive, becoming more trusting, and then potentially then becoming more honest to drive greater mm. levels of specific detail that maybe somebody wouldn't have said or maybe they might do it or text it to you but they wouldn't do it face-to-face or an email and so you're trying to drive that face-to-face interaction of real honest coming from a place of care and coming from a place of I'm on the same team as you I want to get to where you want to get to but here's what I have seen it doesn't necessarily mean it's true but here's what I I have seen and you can take it and accept it um, for what it is and use it if you need and I'm happy to elaborate any further if you think you want to know more information of it so it's getting to that I guess space that I would find um where the real I guess connection happens real human mm. um Johnny is coming to me with a really valuable piece of information so I need to accept it yeah for, from that point of view well that's it I mean that's it. a couple of things there is the fact that someone can come and talk to you in the first place and like you use the word human I love that like it's about being human we're all human at the end of the day we're not like robots we can't just you know keep consistent performance if things go bad things go bad and you have to be able to approach people about it and show a level of compassion for not only for yourself but for other people who kind of come to you with problems as well and 
Now, Johnny, I'd love to know if if you had like to share three takeaways for people, what what would they be? Um, I, I think trying to put yourself, firstly, put yourself, um, if you're in a team, put yourself in somebody else's shoes. So before you say or before you approach, maybe just momentarily or take a couple of minutes, just think of, does this person maybe have maybe a particular challenge? Do they have family? Are they coming from a stressful work environment? So, for example, if we were playing or training our sports on a Tuesday evening, you know, I wouldn't necessarily go gung-ho. I tried to understand maybe other people's perspectives and then base off, base my level of conversation towards that. So having an awareness of others um, in terms of where they might be coming from. Um, understanding or knowing yourself um, as best as you can possibly do that to then give your best self towards whatever is needed. So I, I know just from doing courses and doing um, research over the years that my personality is, is a, well, you can, do it over a number of ways but I'm a perfectionist which means I like structure I like color I like kind of things mapped out but I know other people don't necessarily like that and don't agree and can't work towards that so it's probably understanding yourself with again a view to bringing and complementing the team in whatever's needed not just necessarily what you're used to or what you're good at um so that'd be the second thing kind of knowing and understanding yourself and then the third thing would be and I appreciate this a lot, we'll be trying to get to the point of understanding what your purpose is and being really comfortable in, I'm putting in X amount of hours for the sport that I love in order to get something which is very, very clear to me out of it. And that's very, that as I sit here now is very clear to me, but I know some people don't necessarily have that same same level of clarity within their own. Trying to get to a point where whether it's through courses or soul searching or asking questions or coaching or working with a manager or a mentor that you like trying to get to a real sense or a clarity of purpose um as you go and as you move through the phase of your life i think are important brilliant thank you and there was um something that occurred to me there that i kind of jotted down earlier was you were, when you were talking about this the area of self-awareness and getting to know yourself a little bit better um there's this idea of knowledge versus transformation so it's one thing to read all the self-help books and to get the coaching and to get the mentoring, but it's another thing to really apply it and apply it consistently. I know I'm guilty of that, where I think, oh, well, but I've read all of these self-help books, I've read all of these personal development books, but I haven't actually applied any of the information that I've learned from them. So just, I suppose, highlighting the difference between reading and actually applying and doing it. I think so. And I'm the biggest culprit probably today <laughs> on this conversation in terms of that. So, um, and some of my defenses, I love reading and love learning and you mm-hmm. do, but at the same time, there's a point where you have to stop reading or put down the book and actually go into an uncomfortable or just an environment in general and really put it into practice because often obviously it's not as the, the book or the page um, says, but at the same time, it can obviously mm-hmm. complement. So it's probably trying to seek out or, or even, even a, you know, putting things out online button LinkedIn or whatever like like we're doing today and just challenging just having thoughts or having conversations okay it's not in a practical work environment but certainly we're having now a conversation that's somewhat challenging getting us to air our opinions out loud as opposed to maybe in our own heads Um, so trying to maybe go from if it was if you like the book and reading in your own head to maybe a conversation that's out loud with somebody or in a group of people and then with the longer term view to putting that into practice in a stressful or in a more I guess competitive environment be it sports or or be it business. Great so given the the kind of overarching theme of teamwork 
I wondered, did you have anything else that you wanted to cover or is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you'd like to share? Um, it would probably just be really, and to use your word, getting the harmony um, around what, what teams do, I guess. There's obviously an element of somebody has to start the writing on the page somewhere and set out the vision and the plan. Um, but then obviously need to fill that page with lots of colour and lots of shapes and lots of people. And it takes all sorts, I guess, to maybe achieve a goal. And and sometimes, and lots of times, you'll fail or you won't get what you want, etc. So it's probably just being comfortable that okay, here we have a blank page, and we'll attempt to start the script. But the script might look and feel very, very different by the time you get to the end of the page. And being comfortable that I guess it's a journey, and appreciating that journey for what it is, appreciating the, appreciating the learnings that are on that journey for what they are, and with all the time, maybe having that. Carol Dweck mindset of that growth mindset of we're here to grow we're here to learn I'm not perfect and I'm absolutely not perfect I'm you know I'm somewhat vulnerable in my own skin I'm here to be as much part of this team as you are even though I might be leading the team or certainly that's the name that I have after um, as title I have after my name so it's probably just that co-creation I think I'm being comfortable that um, it's a blank page be creative as you like but also I guess appreciating all the different elements that, that potentially come into it yeah you're totally right like it is everything is it's a journey like we're you're not you don't kind of reach this destination it's just it's an ever-evolving process of understanding yourself more and growing and understanding other people and and how you fit in and the ever-evolving nature i suppose of the vision and what you're trying to achieve overall um Brilliant. So, Johnny, the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast: What makes you happier at work? It's probably being. It's probably to be understood first of all, um, and then with that understanding, become or comes then an ability to be stimulated in the right way. So, be it learning, be it how you're spoken to, be it the projects you're given, or, um, or be it maybe how you're being challenged each and every day. So, um. As I sit here and throw the stone, the opposite direction is probably to be understood yeah. um, as, as often as possible for then for me to give the best of myself towards the, the goal or the objective. Brilliant. Great. Well, thanks so much. I really, really enjoyed our chat today. I probably could have stayed on for another few hours just asking you questions and having a great conversation. So really appreciate that. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for your time. Always happy to chat and to try and learn. So I really appreciate your time. That was myself and Johnny Cooper there talking all things teamwork. So a really, really interesting conversation there. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. So we kind of started by talking about the alignment and having a really clear organizational goal that you're heading towards. We talked about dynamic teams and being really, really clear on that purpose that you have as a team. I liked this whole concept of leader, leader versus leader, follower. So leader, follower tends to be the typical kind of um, leadership dynamic, I suppose, that that happens in uh, business, whereas leader, leader is more of a situation of having no hierarchy. So it's like a team of teams. And he mentioned that book. I'll put a, a link to that in the show notes as well. I like this whole idea around giving people a great sense of autonomy, ownership, responsibility and trusting that people will get the job done. It's a real way of empowering other people, like using a coaching approach in business. We spoke about the me versus the we, so bringing it all back to a whole team approach and this concept of if you're willing to accept none of the credit. So I suppose that that whole idea around being able to take 
the, the leader out of a team and the team still functions. We spoke about discipline and choice. So everyone wakes up every day with a choice and it's about sticking to that discipline, making those sacrifices and being really consistent, but being really clear on what it is that you want to get. And Johnny described it as following your North Star or finding your why. The key thing is here that the sacrifice that you make will be worth it in the end if that's what you really, really want. We spoke about matching people's strengths, whether that be technical and getting the relationships and the interrelationships right. We spoke about self-awareness and feedback and being really open to receiving that feedback as well and really understanding the strengths of each individual on the team and what they're bringing to the table. We spoke about seeking out other people's opinions and that the whole concept of challenging the perspective that you have. So you will have a particular perspective based on what you grew up with or the opinions that you have. But seeking out other people's opinions is really, really important. Creating a cohesive team then is about trust and honesty and it's really important to have that face-to-face connection. So obviously, times like this, when we're all working from home, um, try using video call rather than just voice. Uh, I understand that it's quite challenging at the moment. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to um, connect with people there. and uh, can keep the feedback coming on the podcast as well. I'm really enjoying making it, and I hope you're enjoying listening to it as much as I'm enjoying making it. If you feel someone might benefit from the lessons that you heard in the podcast today, feel free to share it. It should be shareable no matter what podcast platform you're using. You can share it by WhatsApp, you can share it by email, all of those kind of things. So if you think that someone else might benefit from it, absolutely go ahead and share. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to the Happier at Work podcast with Aoife O'Brien. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and don't forget to rate and review the podcast.